Hello friends, I'm your host Chris Thrill, I'm a former Royal Marines Commando, I've adventured for better and sometimes worse across 80 countries on all 7 continents. Welcome to the Bought the T-Shirt Podcast. Jerry, how are you sir? Well, doing good, glad to be on with you Chris. But Jerry is a retired licensed psychotherapist with over 35 years experience working with and studying the thought processes of schizophrenic and criminally insane patients in some of the most volatile psychiatric institutions in the great American nation. He was awarded the State of Arizona's Meritus Service Award and given the Apple Award as an instructor of abnormal psychology. Uh, His formal academic training comprises of a BA in psychology, a master's degree in counselling, and Jerry studied two years in a PhD psychology programme. So um, he's also the author of An Amazing Journey into the Psychotic Mind, I remember I was in a thread, some comment, I, I, or maybe it was a YouTube video that I'd done, and I was explaining why I thought I'd got ill, and I thought I'd basically overloaded the synapses in my brain um, with this chemical, and they started misfiring, basically. And somebody came in the chat and went, no, Chris, you know, basically don't fall for that one you'd open yourself up to demons. He actually called them gin, gin being yes. the 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 um, Asian word for spirit, basically, you know, bad, dark spirit. Um, and I remember reading that. It was the first time, Jerry, I'd come across this concept. But now, because I've, you know, I had my sort of challenges with substance misuse uh, a lot of my life, and I got to the point where, Every time I relapse, I just thought, devil's got me again. <laughs> he gets it. If you lower your guard for, you know, he's made himself a home in your head again. And you've got to then go through all the steps to to ex- exercise him. So, yeah, meth will do that. You know, when I was working in the prison psychology department, there were scores of prisoners who had gone psychotic on meth. I mean, they called it the devil's drug, and they were just—they were just as psychotic as people who were sort of, you know, crazy from other causes. I mean, it, it starts out with, you know, you start hearing voices periodically, and you think, oh, that's a hallucination, and you come to, and they go away, you know. So you're convinced it's a hallucination. Then one day they don't; they're there permanently. And when I—I I, I worked in virtually every mental health facility that the United States has. Um, you know, I worked at, at one of the biggest psychiatric hospitals on the planet, Central State. There were 10,000 patients there when I got there. And these are all places that the normal person can't access, and even worse, researchers can't access. So if they're looking for the truth, it lies in these institutions. It doesn't lie in the educational institutions or the labs that these these highfalutin PhDs are publishing. They're influenced by Big Pharma, who's taken over the the American health system since 1910 with the Flexner Report. 
and made it a law that they only teach pharmaceutical medicine. And that includes, you know, medical and psychiatric. So they knocked out all the other treatments then, electrical treatment, uh, uh, naturopathy, uh, spiritual treatment. They knocked out everything. They basically said the system has to, and this was Rockefeller, said they have to function around a physiological uh, drug-centered health treatment program. So, of course, that's a point where, where Big Pharma took over the, the whole health system in the United States and, you know, throughout the planet. Um, mm -hmm. See, I didn't know that when I went to school. You know, I had no idea. And I spent uh, four years in undergraduate psychology and four years in graduate school uh, studying you know, psychology and counseling. And I was looking for answers like what causes mental illness? I didn't see any. I saw these grand descriptions of mental illness with all these numbers and detailed uh, descriptions of all these different mental illnesses. And it looked impressive in their DSM, uh, the, the mm -hmm. psychiatry's Bible. I didn't know at the time, and it, they certainly hid it from us, that every single one of those diagnoses were made up. There's not a single test anywhere to validate any of them. No lab work, no EEG, no EKG, nothing. They're completely made up, and they're made up by psychiatrists that meet periodically and make up new mental illnesses to put in there. Those things started with, uh, you know, just just a few, and now they're up to almost 300. You know, and it it's it's a it's a scam. It, you know, it it makes it look like they know what they're talking about. Yeah, they never come forward with a holistic approach for any illness, do they? It's always straight to either the medicine or or straight to um, straight to an operation. And, and what they do to even worse than that is, you know, they started off. They they always have to look like they know what's causing mental illness, and they don't. They have no idea. They're not even in the ballpark. So they started out blaming mothers back in the fifties. You know, well, the mothers treated the kids wrong, or you know, they did something, but that was observable. You know, the mothers go, well, hey, I didn't do anything wrong. I mean, what? I wouldn't beat my kid. I wouldn't do it. You know, so that was observable. So they moved it up to genetics. They said, oh, there's a genetic maladaption. So they moved it out of the out of the place where it could be verified into a genetics lab where psychiatrists, psychologists, the normal population couldn't verify anything. They're saying, oh, it's in this mysterious gene thing. And that's what's causing uh, schizophrenia and mental illness. It, it, that went on for years until some you know, honest geneticist says, hey, we can't find anything. There are no markers. There's nothing there. You know? And so they had to change it. So back in the uh, in the seventies, when Eli Lilly came out with Prozac, they go, "Oh well, well, it's a it must be a, a chemical imbalance." You know, so we we give these people uh, antidepressants, and they seem to feel better for a little while, and and so it's got to be a, a chemical imbalance. So they came up with this serotonin theory of of uh, lack of serotonin, and and they have using serotonin blockers and and all this stuff. It's got nothing to do with that. So it took them a good while to to come up with uh, the fact that it's got nothing to do with the chemical imbalance. Matter of fact, these people don't even know what the chemical balance of the brain and the neurotransmitters should be. It was completely fabricated. They knew it was a lie at the time. 
I ran into it when I got to uh, the big state hospital. There were 10,000 patients there at the time. This place was the size of a city. They had every mental illness known the man in there. And uh, I started getting curious about schizophrenics because they acted the strangest of, of all. And uh, nobody was curious about the voices that they were hearing. You know, it was like, what are they hearing? And they, they were doing all these things to sabotage themselves. Um, they were causing all these strange problems. Uh, and, and they would, they would say the voices, the voices. Um, but the, the psychiatrists were insisting that these voices were hallucinations and that they should ignore them. So they ignored them until the patient told the psychiatrist that the voices were telling them to kill themselves. And then they acted like pigs stuck with a hot rod and they, they grabbed the person, threw him on suicide watch and, and locked him down with nothing that he could hurt himself with, drugged him silly and didn't let him out of there until he said he was suicidal. So all of a sudden they changed their mind. If the, if the voices are telling them that they're killing, they get to kill themselves, all of a sudden they're very real, but otherwise they're hallucinations. Mm. You know, I remember sitting in a uh, psychiatrist's office with one of my patients once, and the patient was complaining of, of hearing voices. Psychiatrist said, they're hallucinations. I'll increase your meds. Just ignore them. I called that guy back a week later, and I said, how's that going for you? He said, awful. It's not working. The voices got louder when I tried to ignore them. You know, and the medications didn't stop them. So for the vast majority of the, uh, the these patients, they, those those drugs drug them up. They, they feel doped up, but it doesn't stop the voices. You know, they're still hearing them. Mm-hmm. Now, what were the voices? You know, nobody seemed to know. Everybody was brainwashed in graduate school or nursing school, whatever school they came to, with the big pharma explanation that these things were uh, hallucinations due to a chemical brain imbalance. So when I first started seeing a crack in that. I mean, on the front lines, I'm watching how the psychiatrists work. You know, so they say it's a chemical imbalance that has to be balanced with their drugs. You know, okay, fine. But I noticed that never did they ever give a baseline or take a baseline of what was the imbalance in the first place. You know, what is out of balance and by how much? There's there's something like 23 different neurotransmitters in the brain. Which one of them are out of balance? Which chemicals are out of balance by how much? They never gave any kind of lab test, you know, EKG, EEG, no kind of test whatsoever before they started prescribing these drugs. It was almost like going to a dartboard and they'd go, well, I think we'll start with this one and then we'll just keep uh, increasing or decreasing or moving the drugs until we get something that works. Mm-hmm. You know, so this chemical imbalance thing was a lie perpetrated on the public to make the public believe that their drugs were actually doing something. Those drugs don't work. They're made. They're basically tranquilizers that, that sedate, you know, mentally ill patients and keep them under control. Mm-hmm. That's it. You know, so when they first invented them, they were like a miracle drug because now they didn't have to wrestle patients into straitjackets. They could drug them silly with these drugs and, uh, you know, not worry about it. You know, so they could reduce their staff. Uh, there wasn't as much violence. There wasn't people getting hurt. Uh, and they were man- able to manage more people with, with uh, less staff. So that left it uh, uh, like, okay, so 
what's the deal with this chemical imbalance thing? So the long, the more I looked into it, it's like they don't even have any idea what the chemical balance of the brain should be. None. This was a complete fabricated lie you know, to sell drugs by mm. Eli Lilly. And so was their DSM. Their DSM, you look at it, and here's these highfalutin, big-worded, uh, psychobabble descriptions of these different illnesses, uh, you know, starting out with these, these big detailed descriptions and then sub-descriptions and then numbers and, and all that kind of stuff. It looks like they know what they're talking about. It looks like they know what the cause of it is. They don't know the cause of any of those mental illnesses. None of them. They just give drugs. So what happens is two-thirds of the people that were that fabricated that DSM, that Bible of psychiatry, were on board with the drug companies. So what was happening is they'd make up these mental illnesses including something like, uh, you know, uh, Southern Bell Syndrome. There was one called Paris Syndrome that happened to Japanese when they visited Paris and, and got cultural shock, and they called it a mental illness. Uh, they used to call homosexual a mental illness. So what they do is they vote these things in and they vote them out. And I heard one report that, it, uh, you know, these meetings were like a tobacco barn. A psychiatrist would come in and say, hey, I got a new mental illness. And they, they listen to it and they go, oh, yeah, yeah. Can we sell drugs with it? And uh, they vote them in, they vote them out. You know, there, there's no test for any of those mental illnesses, none. So that whole DSM is fabricated. It's all subjective. And if you put 10 psychiatrists in a room and you give them, you know, uh, even a middling uh, a, a middling difficult diagnosis, you'll have you know, six different diagnoses from them. There is no standardization for these things. They're, they're subjective descriptions of pieces of, of uh, behavior uh, that, that they've pathologized. You know, so yeah, that, that was an, another, another fraud. Um, you know, this, this SMI scam, uh, they're, so they're calling these people seriously mentally ill and they drug them. Okay. They don't ever ask what the voices are saying. And when I was at the, at the state hospital, I started asking them, what are these things telling you? What are these voices telling you? Because they were affecting how they were behaving. You know, they, they were doing weird stuff. One thing they were doing was they stopped taking their meds. You know, why are they taking, stop taking their meds? If they know they're going to go psychotic, why are they stop taking their meds? And, but virtually all of them did that at some point. So I, I did this survey. I, I got all the symptoms of paranoid schizophrenia, printed them on a sheet, and I'd bring the people who stopped taking their meds in, and I'd say, uh, uh, you know, why would you stop taking your meds? The normal excuse was, well, the side effects. Well, the side effects are horrible. You know, they, you know, dry mouth, blurry eyes. You can't think straight. You feel drugged. Uh, they're awful. They're toxic side effects. They're poisonous side effects. You know, they're nasty side effects caused by the drugs. Now, what we didn't know at the time was that those, those drugs actually, the phenothiazines, actually rot out the brain and the central nervous system with long enough use. And when they found that happening with autopsies of long-term mental health patients, and they published that, the psychiatric mafia and big pharma went nuts. Oh no, it's not the it's not our drugs, it's not our drugs, it's the schizophrenia doing it. You know, 
and they went with that. But the, the these, thank God, there's some honest people in in academia. They started feeding those phenothiazines to rats, mice, and monkeys, and found that with long enough use, it shrunk their brains. It rotted out their per peripheral nervous systems. It was doing physiological damage, and they're feeding these things to kids right now by the millions. There's there's over a million kids in the United States right now on on all these drugs with something like 700,000 of them on, on antipsychotic drugs that are rotting out their brains. These people don't care about the damage they're doing. And never have I seen a psychiatrist sit down and explain to the patient how dangerous these drugs are. Antipsychotics are some of the most dangerous drugs being used in, in the health system today. They never tell the patient how dangerous they are, ever. It's, it's amazing they get along with that. So, you know, I started asking these patients, what are these, what are these voices telling you? And it took a good while to, to get them to trust because what happens if they complain about their voices, the psychiatrist just drugs them more until, they, until they're just zombies. So they, they learn on their own not to tell psych people about their drugs or their, their uh, voices because they get drugged and they get locked down. And so it took a while for them to uh, uh, start telling me what these things were doing. And, uh, you know, I saw that the first pattern I saw was that they were, they were consistently negative. They never said anything positive. You know, they would tell the patient, you're ugly, you're stupid, you're, you're ridiculous, you're, uh, everybody hates you, uh, uh, everything, everything under the sun. But it was always negative. So I went, well, what holds it on such a negative path? Why isn't it, why isn't it normally distributed like a regular hallucination would be? They're all over the place. Some are positive, some are negative, they're, some are goofy. They're, they're just all over the place. These things were consistently negative. What held them on such a consistent negative path? Something did. You know, what was it? You know, so, uh, you know, I, I started asking them what, what they were telling them. And uh, when the psychiatrist found that out, I got pulled up to the psychiatrist's office and told them, you will not ask them about the voices. They are hallucinations. What you're doing is making my patients worse by reinforcing their hallucinations. You know? And I already knew well past that point that I wasn't making them worse at all because I've been doing it for a good while before I got caught. But two psychiatrists at that state hospital told me not to ask the, the patients questions about what their voices were or what they were saying to them because I was reinforcing their hallucinations. That was such bull crap, I couldn't believe it. You know, uh, so I had to be real careful there because psychiatrists were being assaulted by schizophrenics at a rate of, you know, like more than double that any anybody else. The psych nurses, uh, they were being assaulted at the same rate that the attendants were being assaulted on the on the units. You know, so the patients were beating the crap out of them, but they weren't. They weren't attacking psychologists. They weren't attacking counselors. They weren't attacking uh, psychiatric nurses. They were attacking psychiatrists. You know? mm. So, uh, you know, I, I started wondering what these things were, what, what these voices were. Um, and and they, I saw that they started running patterns. The second pattern I saw was that they were anti-religious. They didn't want anything to do with religion. If the patient read the 23rd Psalm, they went nuts. Uh, patients told me that the voices reacted to the 23rd Psalm like throwing worms on a hot frying pan. 
What is, Jerry, can you enlighten us? What is the 23rd Psalm? What's the basis of it? Well, that's the one that said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Got it you. starts off that way. You know, yeah. they, they hated that. So why would a hallucination hate a psalm in the Bible? Why would they react so, so violently to such a psalm? So here's these, these patterns starting to develop. And, and these were consistent. They happened all the time. You know, mm-hmm. hallucinations don't run patterns. So that got my curiosity up. I kept looking and asking questions. The other thing I wondered about was why did they go off their antipsychotic drugs if the voices got louder and started taking them over? So I started asking them questions about that. So every one that went off, I would bring them in. I'd have a list of, of descriptions of paranoid schizophrenia, what it was like, all these sub sections, you know, all the, it's a horrible, it's a horrible uh, thing. It's, it's a nightmare. And then, then I'd ask them, what were the side effects you had on the drugs you were taking, the antipsychotic, antipsychotic drugs you were taking? And I didn't, you know, give them a list because they all didn't have the same side effects. And they all didn't have all the side effects. So they'd write down five or six side effects that they hated, that they, they remembered. And then I'd, I'd take that and I'd give them the list of psychotic symptoms. And I'd say, which one's worse? I, I did that to scores of them, you know, like 50 or 100. Which one's worse? The answer was consistently, well, the psychosis is worse. The voices are worse, you know. It's horrible. I mean, the side effects are awful, but you're talking about an absolute nightmare with the psychosis. All of them said the psychosis was worse. And then I'd ask them, well, why'd you stop taking your drugs? Guess what their answer was? I don't know. Hmm. It took three years to get past that. The reason they were ta- weren't taking them, I, I found out from one gal that was about to get thrown out of the program we had because she wasn't taking her medicines. You know, she said the voices were telling me that the psychiatrist was poisoning me, and that's why they were being assaulted. You know, and and actually, they are being poisoned. Those drugs are toxic. If these voices are, you know, a manifestation of, of, let's just call it evil, you'd think they'd say to the patient, keep taking the drug. No, you know? because what that, what that, they want the patient upset. Now, what, another thing they do is they suck energy out of them, but they're low-frequency entities. So they want to bring the patient down and keep them down to that low frequency mm-hmm. it's only then that they can extract the energy and if you talk to schizophrenics you'll see that's a consistent pattern also when the voices attack their energy vanishes and they have no idea where it goes they don't even know that it's missing and for years i thought it was because of the nastiness of the voices you know if i heard voices screaming at me all day long telling me i was no good and i was worthless and everybody was plotting against me and uh, i mean all this nonsense you know, it makes sense that you would be drained, but that's not it. They actually have to keep the person upset. If the person gets to a higher vibration, they can no longer take their energy. So they're parasites. And there's a one-to-one correlation between the voices attacking these patients and their energy disappearing. The, the psychiatrist still saying they're hallucinations. So, you know, they foster and create negative emotion. They energetically drain their victims. So, what they did is, is they moved 
this this chemical imbalance they went from genetics into a place where nobody could observe anything and people were blind you know other researchers were blind other psychiatrists were blind psychologists were blind they couldn't see this genetic stuff so they moved it up they they once they that was disproved they moved it into the chemical imbalance sphere where now it required chemists and labs and that kind of stuff to disprove it and then they 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 bolstered that with millions of dollars worth of advertising from big pharma to, to push the, the chemical imbalance there. And they're still pushing it. Even today, they're still pushing it. And it's a complete and, and utter fabricated lie. Thoughts are energy. Okay. These mm -hmm. voices are energy. You can't see energy. Okay. You can see the effect of energy. You know, so if you have a magnet and you have iron filings, you can put a magnet there and then you can see the magnetic field, but you're not actually seeing the energy of the magnet itself. You know, same way with uh, x-rays. You, you can't see them, but you can see their effect. Ultraviolet light, you can't see it, but you can see their effect. It's the same thing with these voices. You know, you can't see them. You can't feel them. You can't, uh, uh, there's only one person I know who's actually got a recording of them. So it's, it's the same thing. The patterns they run are the ones I'm talking about, and anybody can see these. So if it's running patterns, it can't be a hallucination, all right? The magnetic, the filings, the magnetic field, the iron filings are these patterns when it comes to the voices because they're energetic. So they're, they're consistently negative. They're anti-religious. They foster or create negative emotion. They energetically drain their victims. They get louder after sunset. Anybody can see these things. Anybody who's working with schizophrenics can see these things. These are patterns that they run. These are the effect of the voices. These are, these are the iron filings for the magnet. You know, they get louder when ignored. You can't ignore them. They foster self-destructive behavior. They foster isolation. So you'll see these schizophrenics lock themselves in the room. They don't want to talk to anybody. They don't want to deal with anybody. They, they, everybody becomes their enemy. They demand the attention of their victims. You know, so it's a battle for the victim's attention. Uh, they maneuver for increased control constantly. They're trying to gain more and more control. They gaslight the victim. They tell them lies. They, they will t make the patient interpret things in the worst possible way. They manipulate perception. Now, this is really interesting. The voices are energetic. Thoughts are energetic. Memories are energetic. You know, so they have complete access to the patient's memory. They can go into the patient's memory. They can pull up every rotten thing they ever did, and they can throw it into their their uh, mental stream of thought, and and just torment them with it. You know, uh, they they demand that the victim don't tell anybody about their presence or what they're saying. Uh, they're consummate liars. You can't believe anything they say. You can't make any deals with them. They're they're very negative. They lie about everything. They constantly steer the, the victim away from any form of joy. They don't want them to be happy. They manipulate. They can manipulate feeling without uh, speaking. They short-circuit reason. Um, they love the patient to be bored. They can foster selective forgetting. Um, they they uh, want the self-destructive behavior. They pull the patient away from consensual reality. I mean, it goes on and on and on. There's a bunch of symptoms that run patterns. And if they run patterns, the voices can't be hallucinations, you know? So 
you know, let, let's take a look at the people who are telling you they're hallucinations, psychiatry. Okay. You might think that, uh, okay, schizophrenic suicide at, at a rate of three to five times that of the normal population. So you, you might think that their suicide rate would say something about the stability of the population. Okay. Mm. Now, according to the Journal of uh, American Medical Association, the suicide rate is equivalent for psychiatrists to that of schizophrenics. So 65 out of 100,000 psychiatrists are 5.9 times that of the general population. The priests of mental health are suiciding. What does that tell you? You know? The Journal of Clinical Psychiatry in 1980 did a five-year study of 18,730 consecutive physician deaths by suicide and found that psychiatrists suicide regularly year by year at rates more than twice those expected and that this difference was statistically significant. Do you think that, that these negative entities are sucking the energy from the psychiatrists? I think... Uh, uh, the, the these negative entities are telling the patients that psychiatrists are dangerous, don't know what they're doing. You know, they don't want to take their meds. The noncompliance rate for these non-psychiatric meds is awful. I think the other thing is psychiatrists realize they're not curing anything. They're yeah. just treating symptoms. They're just suppressing symptoms. They're not curing these people. They're charging them massive amounts of money for office visits and and horrible i mean the, the the cost for these drugs are astronomical you know in the united states it costs eight hundred two thousand dollars to say sane for one month on these antipsychotic drugs that don't cure anything mm -hmm. you can go across the border to mexico and and uh get get a month's supply for 75 dollars so that's what how big a ripoff they are you know so not just that jerry is it's also that in a mental health facility you, you spend all your time locked up. The only time you actually do go out of door is to smoke a cigarette. Or in fact, they used to just smoke in the facility when, when I worked there. I don't know if that's changed now, but, and the, the food in hospital isn't fit enough to give to the pigs. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, when they should be getting fresh vegetables and, and, you know, getting a nice, what, what I'd call an alkaline diet, um, which I, which you, I thrive on. I wouldn't, wouldn't, you know, I, I win the spiritual battle be because I, I eat, you know, I, I keep my body 7.25 alkalinity. And I know for a fact that these doctors have no clue about that. They don't no. know because I've said to my GP, she said, Oh, do you know, do you often get sick? I said, no, I never get sick. I'm, I'm, I'm alkaline. She's like, what? She like, didn't know that the body has a pH level <laughs> no. and, and it, um, I'm not laughing at my doctor. I'm, I'm sniggering at the, the brainwashing system that these people have put through. Um, oh, oh, it's, it's incredible. It's, it's incredible. I mean, when I got out of the, you know, when I got out of school, I wasn't prepared for the reality of what mental illness was at all. Mm -hmm. I kept thinking, okay, I finished undergraduate school. I didn't find any answers there. You know, I'm, I'm looking like, what makes these people crazy? What is mental illness? What, what, you know, what drives this? There were no answers there. So I went, well, maybe they're hiding the answers in a master's program. 
So I applied to a master's program in counseling and, and um, rehabilitation, and there wasn't there wasn't any answers there. I mean, there there was you know counseling stuff which worked. Um, you know how to make the patient feel they were understood and how to listen and then that kind of stuff. But as far as what caused mental illness, it wasn't there. So mm-hmm. I figured, okay, they're hiding it in the PhD program. They only give it out to PhD students. So I applied to one of the supposedly the best in the country, stayed there two two years until I started getting sick, and there were no answers there either. It was piled higher and deeper. They were, you know, that there was these flaming egos there, you know, that they they had no answers. They all the all their stuff was based around this DSM, you know, uh, and 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 some of the diagnosis in the in this this DSM, these fabric this 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 Bible of fabricated mental illnesses, they had something called a mathematics disorder there. They got caffeine intoxication disorder. They got sibling relational disorder. They got sexual orientation disturbance, homosexuality. They got the Florence syndrome, being overwhelmed by beauty, such as Florence's, Florence Italy's, uh, fainting and dizziness. And, and, and they treat it with antidepressants. That's Paris syndrome. Yeah, mostly Japanese patients visiting France. Symptoms include anxieties, feelings of persecution. The, any normal people would label cultural shock. I mean, these are actually diagnoses that they put in this Bible of theirs that they worship as, as these are real mental illnesses. It's all fabricated. It's all made up. You know, it, it's segments of, of human behavior that they pathologized. And and now they they they're selling drugs based on it. The 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 insurance companies need a DSM diagnosis 30.303.10, you know, subcategory seven or something like that. They need that to pay these people. You know, so they're driving up the the medical costs with this this fraudulent DSM of theirs. It makes it look like they know something, but they don't know anything. You know, the mental health system is is driven by greed control and profit and if you look at the sales so considering that none of these drugs cure anything they they merely tamp down symptoms the global antipsychotic sales global have soared to 14.54 billion in 2021 billion and estimated to increase to 15.5 billion in 2022 this is despite the fact that they only treat symptoms and they cure absolutely nothing the drug companies are making $15.5 billion on selling crap that cures nothing. The antidepressant market is expected, expected to reach $15.98 billion by 2023. Now, the worst thing they're doing is drugging the kids. I mean, they are increasing the drug. Right now, in the United States, there's 7.2 million kids on psychiatric drugs. What do you think these things do to kids? You know, if they're rotting out the brains of psychotic patients, what are they doing to kids? And this is permanent long-term damage. And they're not saying anything about it. They don't tell the the patient or the parent, these drugs are dangerous. Oh, they're safe. They're safe. You know, as of 2017, and it's, it's higher now, there's over a million kids in the United States under the age of six on psychiatric drugs in the United States. 622,723 are under the age of five. 80,235 are on amphetamines for ADHD. And I don't know how many prisoners I saw end up in prison 
where the that those uh, Ritalin and and uh, uh, what was the other one they give wasn't enough, so they moved up to taking street drugs and ended up in prison. You know, thirty-eight thousand. Uh, three three hundred eighty nine thousand five hundred and fifty eight are in anti anti anxiety drugs. Thirty eight thousand one hundred and forty three were on anti psychotic drugs. These drugs that destroy the brain, you know. Yeah, people so, don't get it though, Jerry. Do they? They when they get something from a doctor, they're they're led to believe that it's completely the right thing, that it's definitely in their best interest, and that there's no you know, there's no harm that will come of it. And of course, of course, there's always payback for what you do to your, your, your God given body or your universe given body, you know, which should many people would argue should be pure. Um, I do wonder if some of these poor souls that, that do suffer. There's usually trauma behind it. Yeah. You know, there's usually massive trauma, physical trauma, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, or drugs like, like mm. meth. Mm. You know, that belies it. Now they're not doing anything to treat that. You know, there's only one psychotherapy out there that I know of that gets in there and and uses a spiritual uh, component. So that's the other thing. All these things they're devoid of spirit. So humans are spiritual beings. So they're treating spiritual beings with these toxic physical drugs mm. they're not you know thoughts are energetic memory is energetic traumas are energetic that are stuck in the mind they're not touching those they're they're, they're spiritually devoid treating the body as if it's a physical machine or mechanism and it's not so that's why they're failing so let's take a look at how they're how, how well they're doing in the united states you know considering that there are more psychiatric drugs on 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 the planet right now than there ever have been in the entire history of the world. You know, big pharma has taken over. They're flooding the market with tons of psychiatric drugs. Okay. Here's the result. CDC reports that 132 people in the United States are killing themselves every single day, every day, Mm. despite all the antidepressant drugs in the world. Suicide is the 11th leading cause of death in the United States right now. Are these drugs doing any good? You know, in 2021, 48,000 Americans killed themselves. 48,000 in one year. 50,000 died in Vietnam over 10 years. Mm. Every single year, 48,000 Americans are killing themselves. What does that tell you about our mental health system? It sucks. It doesn't work. It's useless. This this drugging people is crazy. You know, between 2000 and 2018, suicide rates increased by 37 percent. You know, between 1999 and 2019, the suicide rate in the United States increased uh, 33 percent, despite the massive increase in sales of antidepressants. Twenty four veterans a day a day are killing themselves. between 2006 and 2016, the suicide rate increased by 2% a year with 1.4 million suicide attempts in 2017 and 47,000 deaths. According to the, the Center for Disease Control, the U.S. suicide rates have reached the highest level since World War II. 
Now, how does that look as an effective mental health system? These are the results these clowns are getting. They're flooding the market. and They're flooding us with drugs. And this isn't working. Now, there is one one mental health therapy that's come out. It's called the MACE Energy System. It was developed not by a psychiatrist, not by a psychologist, not by anybody who had anything to do with the big pharma-controlled educational institutions. It, it's this this fella and and his cohort are from Australia. This guy was a master mariner and a ship captain. He drove these big freighters, but mm-hmm. he was a genius and he 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 was self-educated. He read everything. He was interested in the mind. He came up with something called the Mace Energy System, which I've been using in my private practice now for you know two years. It gets in there. It goes to the cause of the trauma, and it. Within an hour, it's gone. It's gone. You know. Can you, and, can and, you explain and, how it works, Jerry, for those well, listening? What, he, what Mace found was that the mind isn't what you think it is, and it's not what the educational institutions are saying it is. He said the mind, all, all it is is a stimulus response mechanism like a, like a computer, like a computer keyboard. You know, All it does is take pictures of where you focus your attention. You know, so wherever you focus your attention, it takes pictures of, of that and it feeds it, it feeds those pictures to the spirit. Now, what is normally considered the mind is uh, is the spirit. So it's it's not the mind that does the rationalization and the analyzation and and hears and thinks and feels. No, but he says the mind only takes pictures of, of where you place your attention. You know, but he also found out that you know he was he was like okay if you if you concentrate on a trauma long enough they found that it starts dissipating the problem was well how do you find it you know how do you find where the trauma is located in the mind because the mind is it's not tangible you know you can't see it you can't feel it you can't hear it you know uh, the mind is not the brain Nobody's ever found a thought in the brain. Nobody's extra- ever extracted a thought from the brain. The brain's like a radio receiver. You turn it to a certain frequency and it picks up what you, what you hear is, is the frequency you turn to. So, you know, with meth and, and psychotics, that frequency is very low. With spiritual people, meditators, it's, it's very high. What Mays found was that the spirit can help you locate where these traumas are found in the mind. Okay, and he also found that if you have the spirit or the being of the person concentrate on a negative thought, feeling, emotion, or concept, that energy moves from negative to positive, not the other way around. Okay, so the spirit or the being is inherently positive. It's the God spark in the person. It will absorb negative energy. And the attention is the wire that feeds it from the negative to the positive. Okay, so he found that if if the person, they will ask the person uh, to form a feeling into a picture. All right, first picture that comes to their mind. All right got to be the first one so here's this this list of symptoms the patient's having turn that into a picture as soon as they have a picture that's where it's located in the mind all right 
So then it starts filling with negative energy. As if they concentrate on it, that negative will pour into that image. Okay? That image will expand. Right? If they keep their attention on that image, that attention is the link between the negative and the positive energy, and the spirit will absorb that energy you know, through the attention of the victim. And that, if they keep their attention on it long enough, that trauma will dissipate. The energy will be out of it. They will still remember the trauma, but it will not no longer affect them. There won't be a reaction. There will be a response. You know, so everybody has. You know, somebody they hate. That's what they call a negative identity. It's stuck in the mind. And every time one of those people come around, it causes a reaction. You'll either fight with them or you'll run from them. You know, this system is great about going in there and getting that out of there. Usually it's results from an abusive parent or, or some form of trauma that somebody else has inflicted on you. This system can go in there and just get that out in an hour. It's gone. You'll never react to those people again like that. It gets at the cause of the mental illness. That's why Mace labeled it causism. Now they've taken this system and they've showed it to universities in Australia, which is where this guy's from, and they, they've ignored it. They want to keep running this scam that we just described here. They've taken it to the legislature in Australia. They demonstrated that it works and they just passed it over. The big pharma is not going to want this coming out. They don't want something that cures illnesses. They want to keep selling their toxic drugs. They don't want anybody to hear of this. You know, the Mesa Energy System. Mm -hmm. It's know? not just big pharma, though, is it? I mean, they well, control. Well, it's educational institutions, too, that they are being paid they, off by big groups. Yeah, they control everything. I mean, they control the education. Right. That makes right. doctors come out and not realize that, that maybe big pharma isn't everything. Um you know, they control the teachers in school that, that teach the kids, if you're real, go and see your doc. you know, unquestionable and don't question your doctor. Don't question and, the doctor, yeah. And So um, that's the same thing. You go into a psychiatrist, you don't question him, and mm. he's, he's giving you these toxic drugs that cause horrible side effects and telling you they're perfectly safe. Mm. Can you give us some examples of, um, I mean, what kind of thoughts did your intrusive thoughts, did your patients have oh it's a, everything negative under the sun you're no good you're ugly you're stupid your parents don't love you they're only faking like you love you uh, uh you don't have no friends uh nobody likes you i mean everything anything that will cause a negative emotional response they will feed to the patient mm. did you get any that thought it was all a big conspiracy um what what was a big conspiracy? Uh, life, or everything? Well, well, yeah, they get everybody's plotting mm -hmm. against you. Government's uh, sending thoughts into your head. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's anything that will cause a negative emotional response. That's what they feed off of. Mm -hmm. You know, and if you you starve them out, and there's ways to do that, you can actually starve them out. Yeah, I would imagine getting fit and healthy. And in a, a happy environment and breathing fresh air and some moderate exercise. And, and because the thing, I mean, the one thing I teach people about winning the spiritual battle and, and, you know, is something you physically have to do if you want to win it. And that well, is a big component. 
Yeah, and that is you can't have you can't have a barrier between you and spirit and you and energy. Right. And and any substance, whether it's alcohol, marijuana, you know, it 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 cuts you off from spirit and it puts you in this, you know, we're almost like a um a, a, a cocoon. And after a while you see that cocoon and you start to learn to resent it because you want the good stuff, which is the spirit. You know the good spirit folks, not the not the evil ones. Um, and it, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one actually because a lot of people just are not prepared to make efforts in this area. You know, they want to keep drinking their their two bottles of wine a night. They want to keep eating their, you know, their abundance of refined carbohydrates, starchy foods that that just fill you full of acid and kill your kill your crystal. Um, it it's such and you know people have to come to me i'm a thick ex-marine right and i'm having to teach people what you should be taught in school and by your parents right but bless them they they of course your parents don't know because they come from even more brainwashed they didn't even have internet they had no chance um jerry it's crazy what what um what do you think is the is the the answer um well i think i think the the answer is realizing what's going on first of all that these these voices that schizophrenics hear are not hallucinations you know they run all those patterns and you and anybody who's working with schizophrenics can see this for themselves all they got to do is open their eyes it's not hidden in any genetics lab it's it's not hidden in this fabricated uh, chemical imbalance bullcrap that they put out there. I mean, it's, it's right in front of your eyes. All you got to mm-hmm. do is look, you can go to my website at jerrymarzinski.com. Okay. You go to the article section. There's a whole list of these, these patterns that they run. Okay. Yeah. Um, I am in private practice. You can sign up there, there. Um, this book that Sherry and I wrote now, Sherry heard voices herself when she was young. This talks about how we found that these voices were actually entities. So one of the biggest scams that psychiatry is pulling on the entire world is that these voices are hallucinations. These things are malicious, evil entities. They feed off of us. And they don't just hit schizophrenics. They hit us all. You know, you could be walking down the street one day and all of a sudden this horrible thought comes into your head. It's nothing you would ever do. There's nothing you'd ever act on. And you go, where did that come from? You know, you don't find psychology asking where do thoughts come from? Where did they originate? They don't even address that. You know, that was discovered by Emanuel Swedenborg, a Christian mystic, some 300 years ago. And the answer to paranoid schizophrenia is that where thoughts come from, they don't come from you. Your brain is the radio. It picks up those thoughts. Nobody's Mm -hmm. ever found a thought in anybody's head. They come in from the outside and where you put your attention is where you're tuning into. You know, if you put your attention on amphetamines and drugs and all that kind of stuff, that's the, that's the vibrational level you're tuning into. You know, if you tune into a higher spiritual level, you go up to yoga and and meditation and, and uh, spiritual stuff, you're tuning into a much higher vibration, Mm. but these things want to keep you down. They, They don't want you doing that. It's kind of crazy. I mean, I, I can understand how the, the 
sort of average person out there must probably be a bit baffled by this whole notion, but I can make it really simple. When, when in my life, all I did was sort out, sort out substances because that's how I live my life. My life just gradually descended into utter chaos. The negative energy I attracted meant that not only did I nearly lose my life on several occasions and, you know, and, and I was hurting other people um, through through some of my behaviors, but I descended into a sh- disheveled mess, the complete sort of opposite of what I was like just a couple of years previous. And well, here's so, the what, th- were, what were you thinking at that time? What um, kind of thoughts were going through your head at that time? Do you mean my thoughts or do you mean the psychotic thoughts? Because I had, you know. So you could tell the difference. Yeah, I had uh, in my book, you'd be fascinated, Jerry, to read this. I'd send you a copy, but you're probably just better get to grab one on Amazon because I just explain exactly what happened. So I had like my thoughts, my regular thoughts or, you know, wherever they, they come from. And then. I had what I call in the book, the voice. And it's mm-hmm. not as mysterious as it sounds. folks. It was my voice. That sounded that I, like you, but I wasn't in control of it. It just right. kept chipping in with these ever increasingly bizarre suggestions and ideas. And, and like, like Jerry, um, Jerry saying, you know, very negative, Everyone's talking about you. Da, 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 da. You've got to do. You've got to crawl across this cable between these buildings. That'll that'll do it. Go on, go on, son. You can do it. And, you'll, and, you'll... And you've hit two things that schizophrenics struggle with, and some of them never come to to account. One is that that voice sounds just like the, the thousands of other thoughts that go through your head mm. on, a, on its separate day. You know, it sounds just like you're thinking. There's no change in timber or going. No, it sounds just like your regular yeah, thoughts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, and you're told from the time you're born that any thought that comes into your head belongs to you. Mm. That's that's a lie. No, not all thoughts belong to you, and you could tell that. And the way to tell them apart, that schizophrenic struggle with that. Any negative thought about yourself or anybody else comes from the dark side. If the intent is malicious. It comes from the dark side, mm-hmm. so that's one the way they can ferret out which comes from them. And what, but a lot of a lot of them struggle with like like you were saying. That sounds just like you, you know. And you're told it is you, but you know it's not. You know, I I only work this out, Jerry, through reflection afterwards, and it was quite an extended process. And I tell you the reason why. When I ran out of breath, which let's just say would be kind of every three days maybe a, a week did the voices tell you where to go and get it no the voices disappeared i would wake up a disheveled starving tired mess you know uh i mean starving i mean starving like you never can like ravenous yeah you're not hungry Ra- on meth. ravenous I would buy raisin bread and condensed milk and just make condensed milk sandwiches. And I would scoff that as fast as humanly possible, like a, like a wild dog. 
I couldn't shove it into my mouth fast enough. That's but anyway, I get off the point. The point was And what were those voices telling you? Well, they'd gone by this stage. When I'd wake up, they'd they'd gone and I wouldn't think I think What were they telling you while they were there? Oh, while they were there, uh, it it was a, a lot of stuff. I was I was in the market in Wan Chai in, in, in Hong Kong, um, which is kind of like, you know, Bruce Lee town. Um, and I was looking to buy a blanket because I got this new place and there was nothing in it. And, I, and anyway, I picked up this blanket from a shop window. It was an open shop window. And it actually had this word on the label. I was looking for a price and it just said waste. Okay. This, unless this was some mega hallucination, I mean, it just genuinely said waste. Don't ask me why. Or at least it looked like it. Perhaps it was Chinese writing and I I was hallucinated. I, I don't know. But anyway, in that moment, Jerry, I was utterly convinced by this thought that came into my head, this like thought structure Mm-hmm. That these were the blankets that the uh, American settlers had given to the indigenous Indian community, like infected with smallpox or something to kill the Indian. Right. I know that story has been disparate. Um, that's not the point, folks. I'm talking about what was in my mind in Hong Kong like 20, 25 years ago. It was the oh, my God, these are those blankets. Now, what could the? you did you know did you know that was a hallucination at the time or was it so real that you oh it was hundred percent real in yeah. that moment I realized I was in some huge conspiracy I was actually in a conspiracy because I worked in a nightclub as a doorman a bouncer and and it the nightclub was run by the fourteen k triads which just compounded everything you know because the triads. They they communicate through through hand signals and you know gestures that that most wouldn't see, almost a bit like sort of quote unquote Illum- Illuminati kind of stuff. And I become utterly convinced that I'd fallen down a rabbit hole, and I was looking up the street, and I thought, yeah, that that guy leaning against the light, he he knows it, and this woman in the shop, she. <laughs> she know yeah she knows it oh god and and i mean i even went to work that night and that kind of particular psychosis kind of although those psychotic thoughts just kind of like drifted away and i went back to you know li- living my life and 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 then they would just come on i i i'm guessing when i was more tired than anything else they i was probably more sub- subject to having them enter my my head but i could while away hours jerry um for example sat on the floor um i lived on this top floor apartment in a in a 20 story high run down tenement building in fact when i went back to hong kong it was so old they pulled it down um and i used to just sit on this on the floor i trashed the whole place not intentionally i never could get stuff done so anytime yeah. i got some rubbish from the 7-eleven it would just would end up on the floor and and then i would try and like tidy this and i'd end up just just getting so fixated on say a newspaper article about triads and i'll be like oh the triads have done this this week 
I wonder if that's to do with this global cult thing that I've uncovered. And, and I, I would, I could end up spending like maybe 12 hours sat in that spot, not drinking anything, certainly not eat, eating anything, not talking to anyone, just, just fixating on, on, on books. And I started to believe that like there was, um, it was a bit confusing. I started to believe there was a foreign triad made up of all the Westerners that I knew. It's just they weren't telling me they were members of it. And it gets confusing because the, allegedly there actually was a foreign triad in Hong Kong. Um, and I had people saying, come on, Chris, have you got it yet? And I would just like interpret that as this is me now, my my thoughts going, got what? Got what, dude? What are you? Why don't you just tell me? What, like, you know, is this some kind of initiation into this cult-like club that I've got to guess what what all these clues mean? And people would come up, and I mean, I had a a, a, a guy I knew. He come into the, my nightclub when I had a bottle of champagne, and because he knew he couldn't drink it in the club, he went, "There you go, mate." And I'd shoplifted a bottle of champagne for this guy's birthday like two months before. Cause I was skint, you know, I was in survival. Uh, I'm not justifying stealing stuff here, folks. I'm just telling you how it was. You know, I was in, I had to steal my food. Um, you know, uh, it's just how it was. And in that moment, Jerry, I was just like utterly convinced the guy was taunting me going, I knew you, you stole that bottle of champagne for my but you know it was something like this and and it just got bizarre it 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 got so bizarre but the actual psychotic bits could manifest as me staring out the window in my crummy apartment looking down 20 floors into a courtyard of a restaurant below and i remember staring at cats for about six or seven hours and i was absolutely convinced these cats were puppets and the, the way they move, which was like, eh, 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 it was like these cats were on strings and the guy chopping meat out the back of the restaurant. It was like he was automated. You know, he was, and I'm like, he's on strings too. Wow. Puppets, puppets. Where did puppets originate? Ah, Asia, wasn't it? There was that film on telly. It was the year of living dangerously. Was it Mel Gibson? This is like, it was about puppets and stuff in it. Oh my God. Is the whole of Hong Kong a puppet show? Oh, bet the, the whole, and I'm hearing car horns are going uh, uh, in the street. And I'm like, part oh, the puppet show. They're all communicating with each other mm, through, you know, and, and, and everything became as though, the whole of Hong Kong was like a pinball machine, all all hooked up together, and stuff would happen there. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get it. Oh, oh, you know, sorry, dude. You know, I walk out in front of a car, and the guy would be like, you know, and I'd be like, <laughs> I know you're not really angry. This is all. This is all part of the mystery I've got to solve. There's another piece. Thing. And of course, I never actually got anywhere. I just got more and more confused to the point so, where so I look at, look at, look at that. It's, it's all the first pattern. 
all those things are tied to negativity and paranoia and yeah. plots. Yeah, you didn't have any good thoughts. You know, it wasn't it, like, oh yeah, I, f- I feel like I'm, I'm elevated, I'm, I'm no. spiritual, I'm, I'm, I'm moving toward God. It's all negatives. So what holds it on such a negative trajectory? I, I mean, I actually does. I actually did have one good thought, but it was still a psychotic thought. I, when I look back, you know, I was such a damaged kid. I mean, I really was. You know, I, I don't. I don't want to sort of bore people with it, but, you know, I was just a massively damaged, damaged child. Um, and when I look back, it was like, I, even though I had more self-confidence than anybody I knew, I was not afraid of anything and nobody told me what to do. And I would, you know, I was Royal Marines commando. I passed out with the toughest military force on the planet. Uh, you know, there was never a, like that was never an issue. My issue come that deep down inside, um, I, you know, I was unloved and I felt like nobody loved me. Um, they, if anything, they were all ridiculing me, which by this time, a lot of people were because they didn't know I was ill. They just thought I was being strange. Um and um it was it was the rejection that was it it was the rejection that i suffered as a as a kitty that was driving this thing you know See, that's and, what and, mace gets in there and goes and it 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 this dissembles that so mm. so it's a decision you made as a kid that's been driving your whole life i mean and i see that all the time with mm. the people i work with they made a decision during a trauma 30 years ago and that decision has steered their lives there the entire time because oh my they weren't God, yeah. they weren't aware that it existed because those those negative traumas like that they're not put there consciously they're mm. put there subconsciously so when a, when a trauma happens it's a, a bad feeling associated with it and your ego takes it and goes well let me handle that and it takes it and it buries it in your subconscious and then it takes energy to hold it there you know, so the yeah. whole time it's it's like a, a negative energy ridge where that thing's pushing to get out, and and you're 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 having to hold it in. So anybody who threatens that causes a reaction. Mm. You know, so anybody who comes and goes, uh, yeah, you you know, you're unlovable. A boom, you know, it'd be a uh, an explosion. It's yeah. it's like a hypnotic program waiting to activate. And yeah. and what it appears like is these negative entities hang around those programs. And when they, they're set off, they, they actually pour gasoline on the fire. So mm-hmm. they, they, then they feed off of that. People don't realize that they're, they're surrounded by negative entities all the time, you mm-hmm. know, and, and that these thoughts every once in a while, they get in their head. Like, you know, what was it last year? I was, I'm in Tucson, Arizona. We don't cut lawns here. We get a machete and cut the cactus down you know, to keep it from getting all over the place. And I have a, a beautiful um, uh, husky, white white husky, female husky. Mm-hmm. I'm out there, you know, chopping these cactus. And she runs by. She didn't do anything to bother me. And all of a sudden, I get this thought co- come through my head to chop her head off. And I'm like, what? Where'd that come from? That's not my thought. What? You know, but it felt bad just having it, you know. These kind of thoughts don't come from you, and everybody has them. They, they, they don't, they're not just 
the province of schizophrenics. Mm. Everybody gets these thoughts and they don't belong to you. Every negative thought about yourself or anybody else does not belong to you. Folks, give us some feedback on this. Please give the video a like. I mean, come on. Who the hell else is talking about this kind of stuff? The name of your book is An Amazing Journey into the Psychotic Mind. Right. We'll, we'll put a link below, folks. We'll grab okay, a copy and, of that. We'll my, put... uh, my website is jurymarzinski.com. Yeah. That's M-A-R-Z-I-N-S-K-Y. And there's a lot more information on that site. If you go to articles, we've got scores of videotapes all on this subject. I mean, and this is not stuff that the psychiatric mafia is going to tell you. You know, no. they they want you to believe that, uh, uh, you know, all this stuff is your fault and it's all physiological. You know, it's not thoughts or energy, memories or energy. And, and they're not dealing with anything spiritual. I never saw anything spiritual. And, and no. four years of undergraduate school, four years of graduate school, nothing spiritual there. I mean, Let's so this say- system is a spiritually devoid, expensive uh, duplistic system. The mental health system, mm. the Western mental health system, is a joke. It's a, it's a, it's a the dysfunctional merry-go-round that just spins round and round and round and goes nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Of course, we talk about this a lot, Jerry, on my channel. It's, uh, you know, it's a big club, and one thing they do well is they don't even let people know about the spiritual battle. They keep them locked in a lower self all their animal desires um and they suck in the energy from us you know they're, they're su- ju- just like these demonic thoughts suck the energy from you this lot you know um you know the word satanist comes to mind and and it's that folks that doesn't have to be someone who dances around a blooming you know a sheep <laughs> a, a late sheep i should say uh no it just it's people that kn- they know how to play their game they know how to play their game and once once you see it can't not see it and and this is why they'll lose you know well, you, you look at governments around the world look at how they're acting right now if you look at that list of symptoms that of schizophrenia the patterns mm. and you compare that to what's coming across in the news right now it's a one to one correlation yeah exactly exactly it's uh it's insanity. It's not just governments. How many people like tomorrow are going to go and vote for a war? The massacre of innocent men, women and children that they've never even met. And yet their mind is so unwell because we're, you know, they're controlled. It's crazy, Jerry. But once you see it, you can't unsee it, you know, and so many yeah. people are waking up to this now that I think we've got it, you know. mainstream media is completely controlled you're not going to get the truth from them no none of them exactly exactly really really appreciate it massive massive thank you to jerry again i can't wait till we have our next chat much love to you all thank you thank you for having me on friends thank you for listening to the bought the t-shirt podcast please like subscribe and share and don't forget to follow me on social media username Chris Thrall. Instagram, Chris.Thrall. Thank you.